section thirty three of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter thirty three is there place to write above one lover's name with honour in her heart old play meanwhile the carriages were beginning to draw up in rapid succession and lord rossville though fretting inwardly at his niece's delay yet received the company with much outward serenity he felt that he was master of his own person and manners and all the dignity and urbanity for which he flattered himself he was so celebrated had now full scope in the absence of miss pratt his step was firmer his chest was broader his nose was higher his language was finer his sentences were longer his periods were rounder in short richard was himself again already had he uttered many sensible and even some witty sayings to such of his guests as had arrived while his mind was busy concocting a pun to be applied to sir peter wellwood when he should appear but alas for the insecurity of the best laid schemes of human wisdom sir peter and lady wellwood were announced and horror of horrors who should enter with them but miss pratt who can paint the earl as he stood pierced with severe amazement not celadon when he beheld his amelia struck a blackened course gazed with more marble aspect than did his lordship at sight of the breathing form of miss pratt the half-formed pun died on his lips a faint and indistinct notion of it floated through his bewildered brain it was to have been something about a well and a wood or a wood and a well but the earl's wits were in a wood and he could certainly have wished miss pratt in a well in vain did he even attempt to say something of welcome the words clove to the roof of his mouth and his looks did not make up for the deficiencies of his tongue but miss pratt had not been looked at for fifty years to be disconcerted at that time of life by the looks of any man living and she therefore accosted him in her usual manner well my lord you see i've been better than my word i dare say you didn't think of seeing me to-day and to tell you the truth i didn't think of it myself but sir peter and lady wellwood happened to call en passant at lady macaw's and as they were so good as to offer me a seat in their carriage i thought i couldn't do better than just come and make out the rest of my visit to you lady betty lady malmay lady restall etc 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 and in a moment miss pratt was buzzing all round the room at sound of the gong mrs st clair had hastily put the last finish to her daughter's dress and hurried her to the drawing-room as they entered all eyes were turned towards them lord rossville was struck with the surpassing beauty of his niece and attributing it entirely to the effect of his pearls he advanced from the circle in which he was standing and taking her hand with an air of gratified pride led her towards the company he was in the act of presenting her to a dowager marchioness for whom he entertained a high veneration when at that moment mr lindsay entered from the opposite side of the room their eyes met for the first time since that eventful midnight scene in the wood a slight suffusion crossed his face but in an instant the colour mounted to her varied temples 
and in answer to the marchioness's introductory remarks she stammered out she knew not what the consciousness of her confusion only served to increase it she was aware that the eyes of the company were upon her but she felt only the influence of colonel delmore's lord rossville attributing his niece's embarrassment solely to awe and respect for himself and his guests was beginning to reassure and encourage her in a manner which would have increased her confusion tenfold when fortunately dinner was announced amid the usual bustle of fixing the order of procession with all the accompanying ceremonies necessary to be observed in walking from one room to another gertrude was recovering her presence of mind when as miss pratt passed leaning on the arm of her ally sir peter she whispered ay these are pearls of great price indeed so so somebody has come good speed love like light will not hide at ha and with an intolerable tap of her fan and a significant chuckle on she pattered while again gertrude's cheeks were dyed with blushes at that moment colonel delmore who had heard miss pratt's remarks accidentally trod upon her gown in such a manner as almost to tear away the skirt from the body was there ever the like of this cried she reddening with anger my good ploughman's gauze colonel delmore do you see what you've done but colonel delmore without deigning to take the least notice of the injury he had inflicted passed on to offer his arm to one of the miss mildmays miss pratt's only solace therefore was the sympathy of sir peter to whom she detailed all the mischief colonel delmore had done her first and last concluding with a remark which though in an affected whisper was intended to reach his ear that indeed it was no wonder he came such bad speed at the courting she had need to be both a bold woman and a rich one who would choose such a rough wooer this disaster however had the effect of a quietus upon miss pratt for some time and lord rossville got leave to expand to his utmost dimensions unchecked by any interruptions from her none of the company now assembled seemed to have any particular part to play in the great drama of life they were all commonplace well-bred eating and drinking elderly lords and ladies or well-dressed talking smiling flirting masters and misses gertrude was as usual appropriated by mr delmore who paid her much attention and some very pretty compliments in a gentlemanly but somewhat business-like manner colonel delmore sat on the other hand silent thoughtful and displeased neglecting even the common attentions which politeness required mr lindsay was on the opposite side of the table and upon his asking miss st clair to drink wine with him colonel delmore turned his eye quickly upon her and again a deep blush mantled her cheeks something perhaps of wounded pride at the suspicion implied in his glance or it may be of that shame natural to the ingenuous mind at the sense of mystery and concealment whatever its cause its effect was sufficiently visible on colonel delmore he turned pale with suppressed anger bit his lip nor addressed a single word to her during the whole of dinner there is only this difference betwixt a summer and a winter party that in winter the company form into one large cluster round the fire and in summer they fall into little detached groups and are scattered all over the apartment upon entering the drawing-room gertrude had unconsciously seated herself apart from everybody at an open window where she thought she was contemplating the beams of the setting sun as they glowed upon the hills and glittered through the rich green foliage of some intervening elms but in fact she was ruminating on the various occurrences of the day 
and the awkward predicament in which she found herself placed with mr lindsay she was roused from her reverie by some one putting their hands before her eyes and presently the dreaded accents of pratt smote her ear as she struck up as pensive i thought of my love eh then drawing in a chair she seated herself close by miss st clair and taking her hand with an air of friendly sympathy and perfect security she began i am sure it must be a relief to you to have got away from the dinner-table to-day i really felt for you for i know by experience what my gentleman is when he is in his tantrums did you see how he was like to tear me in pieces to-day for nothing but because i happened to see how the land lay between a certain person and you just look at my good ploughman's gauze turning round i assure you my dear i was very much afraid at one time that you would have been taken in by him for i saw that he made a dead set at you from the first and he can be very agreeable when he chooses but take my word for it he's a very impertinent ill-bred ill-tempered man for all that colouring with confusion and indignation gertrude had sat silently enduring the obloquy lavished on her lover from utter inability to interrupt her but at this climax she made a movement to extricate herself which however was in vain miss pratt again seized the hand which had been withdrawn and with a significant squeeze resumed you needn't be afraid of me my dear your secret's safe with me and to tell you the truth i've suspected the thing for some time i only wish you had looked about you a little there's anthony white has never so much as seen you yet if he would but make up his mind to marry what a husband he would make very different from our friend the colonel to be sure many's the sore heart his wife will have and many a sore heart he has given already with his flirtations for he's never happy but when he's making love to somebody or other married or single it's all the same to him miss pratt cried gertrude in great emotion as she again tried to disengage herself from her i cannot listen to well my dear it's very good of you to stand up for him with a pat on the shoulder for it's seldom ladies take such a lift of their caste lovers but it's as well you should know all you've escaped then lower her voice to a mysterious whisper just to give you one single trait of him which i know to be a fact what do you think of his owing edward lindsay seven thousand pound for his game debts that i can pledge myself for i was staying in the house with them both at the time i was upon a visit to lady augusta in london and i had good access to see what went on and i saw rather more too than what they thought of edward lindsay was just of age then and he was invited there to be presented and introduced by the delmores for you know there at the very top of the tree in london i suspect there was a scheme for getting edward to one of the misses but it wouldn't do well the colonel was to take charge of him and bring him into fashion by way of for he's a great deal older you know and was very soon old in the ways of the world he's no such chicken for as young as he looks he must now be a man between thirty and forty miss pratt knew to an hour his age and that he was just thirty well the colonel was by way of introducing him into the fashionable circles and a fine set or else not he initiated him into he even took him to the gaming-table where he lost some money but what do ye think of his having to pay seven thousand pound and upwards for the colonel seven thousand pound gambled away in one night and not a shilling to pay it the consequence was he must have sold out and been ruined for ever if edward lindsay had not advanced the money and to this day i'll be bound for it he has never touched one halfpenny of principal or interest where was it to come from he lives far beyond his income anybody may see that with his curricle and his fine horses and his groom and his valet while there's the person that he owes all that money who keeps no carriage and rides all over the country without so much as a servant after him 
and my gentleman can't go to a neighbour's house without having a retinue like a prince after him but the provoking thing is there's lord rossville and many other people crying out upon edward for his extravagance and folly and having muddled away his money and not living as he should do and making no figure in the world when i know that he's just pinching and saving to make up the money and clear his estate from the debt he contracted upon it for his pretty cousin there i once gave lord rossville a hint of how matters stood but he's so infatuated with these delmores i thought he would have worried me there's nothing they can do that's wrong not that he's very fond of the colonel or likes his company but he's proud of him because he's the fashion and has made a figure and so he goes on telling everybody what great characters the delmores are i assure you it's all i can do to keep my tongue within my teeth sometimes but colonel delmore's a man i wouldn't like to provoke what do you think of his having the impertinence to tell me that if he found me meddling in his affair he would pull anthony white's nose for him i should like to see him offer to lay a finger on anthony white but that's just a specimen of him oh he's an insolent extravagant selfish puppy but are you well enough my dear gertrude had made many ineffectual attempts to stop the torrent of miss pratt's invective but that lady was no more to be stopped in her career than a ship in full speed or a racer on the course at length uttering an exclamation she abruptly extricated herself from her grasp and quitted the room there was commonly a mixture of truth and falsehood in all miss pratt's narrations but it must be owned the present formed an exception perhaps a solitary one to her ordinary practice she had for once told a round unvarnished tale with merely a little exaggeration as to the sum and for once she had spoken from actual knowledge not from mere conjecture miss pratt had by some means or other best known to herself contrived to lay her hands upon a letter of colonel delmore's which had led her into the secret of the money transaction and transaction which from honour and delicacy on the one side pride and shame on the other would otherwise have been for ever confined to the parties themselves in vain did gertrude strive to still the tumult of her mind in the silence of her own chamber in vain did she repeat a thousand times to herself why should i for an instant give ear to the paltry gossip of a person i despise how is it that i can be guilty of injuring the man i love by yielding the shadow of belief to the calumnies of a miss pratt no no i do not i will not believe them shame to me for even listening to them false fickle mercenary a gamester impossible alas gertrude believed it was impossible because she loved because all the affections of a warm generous confiding heart were lavished on this idol of her imagination which she had decked in all the attributes of perfection and yet such is the delusion of passion that could she even have beheld him bereft of all those virtues and graces with which her young romantic heart had so liberally invested him even then she would not have ceased to love ah what will not the heart endure ere it will voluntarily surrender the hoarded treasure of its love to the cold dictates of reason or the stern voice of duty end of section thirty three